0: As we get into our message today, Acts chapter 17, uh, we're going to reread those verses that we read in the reading earlier, Acts 17. The Bible says, Now when they had passed through him, and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where uh, was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul, as his manner was, went unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered And risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. Some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out. To the people. When they had found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and time to be in their house this morning. We simply ask you today that if you will, dear God, bear witness upon our hearts and our souls. We pray that a difference would be made, uh, both in our life and the lives of those who uh, will be listening to this sermon or partaking in it. Either live or some other venue at another time. Lord, I want to thank you for every soul that is here today for their faithfulness and their commitment to the Word of God, the house of God, and the people of God. So, Lord, I, I praise your name. I thank you, Lord, for a pure, perfect Word and ask you that you move along with us today. In Jesus Christ's name we ask. Amen. What a reputation to possess as preachers and disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, those who have turned the world upside down. I mean, if Paul in the ministry he held in the eyes of the world turned the world upside down, then I would say that he turned the world right side up. I mean, there is great wisdom in these words. And there's even great wisdom because you've got to keep in mind who these words are coming from. They're coming from the Jews who believe not. That doesn't mean that there was a, only a group of uh, Gentiles that believed, and, and then the Jews are the only ones who do not believe. It was a specific group of Jews who believed not. And, and you'll find out that this particular group continued to follow Paul, where he went from this point forward into many cities and stirred the people up because of their hatred toward him and his reputation that they themselves have given, who turned the world upside down. Now, guys... For in the age of grace that we live in today, the New Testament era, if you will, it is called the time of the Gentiles. And there are but three classes of people in our world today. It is not made up by their last name, it is not made up by where they live or what continent they hail from, it is not made up by the color of their skin. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 10, verse 32, he said, Give none offense neither to the Jew nor to the Gentiles nor to the church of God. Those are the three class of people in our world today. So when one thinks of the world, they must primarily think of people that are in the world. For the movement of Christianity that swept across this planet has nothing to do with the environment, if you will. The winds of change had nothing to do with the circulation patterns that helped form our ecological life on earth. It has nothing to do with that. So when we're talking about world, we're not talking about the earth. Those changes were and still are in the hearts and lives of, of human beings, God's creation. When this was recorded in Acts 17, the reputation by the time Paul was preaching in Thessalonica uh, was not what it is today. The driving force of hypocrisy was not rooted and grounded in these days. Conviction, confession, and conversion were prevalent in those who accepted Jesus Christ. Lives were completely altered. Families were put back together. Men supported and loved their wives and children. Children began to obey their parents, and employees served their masters fully and faithfully. Late evenings with the boys turned into time with the family at home, and pagan worship was now denounced, and idols were destroyed. Beloved, there was an outward change resulting from an inward correction. This is how the enemies of the cross... Gave the Christian movement, the reputation, those that have turned the world upside down. Now, I want you to look at this turning of the world, uh, turning the world upside down. I want you to look at it today in the pattern the Lord has given us, how it moved across our world. In Genesis chapter 10, we find these words, we find this account, Genesis chapter 10. The Bible says, now these are the generations of the sons of Noah... Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and unto them were the sons born after the flood. Now, all of mankind, okay, all of mankind come from one of these three men. They are the father of the three basic races in the world, and it was not until Babel where the tongues or the languages, if you will, were divided, and in that period of time, it caused people, per their language, to dwell and to work together according to the language and separately as a result of the language and you can write it down in genesis chapter 11 verses 4 through 8 we won't go to it this morning necessarily for time's sake because you're very familiar with what happened that day you see it was at this place in babel because men figured that they would work their way to heaven god separated the tongues of mankind and scattered them across the face of the earth thus the nations were born so what, what do we have today? Well, we have the descendants of Shem, we have the descendants of Ham, and we have the descendants of Japheth, scattered across the globe, separated by their languages. A world is now divided, and believe it or not, this is what's known as the Babel curse, God's deliberate enforcement of division upon mankind. The three great racial families of the world are now divided after Genesis chapter 11. But the growth and the development of Christianity moved to repair what was lost at Babel. What was divided at Babel was united at Calvary. That which was judged at the tower was reversed in the church. In three consecutive chapters in the New Testament, we find the world's movement of being turned upside down, steadily making what I call a rotary shift. Up until this point, guys, it was the Jews who were saved and part of the church. Salvation was to the Jew in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, I've taught you time and time again, when the the title of heathen is referred to in the Old Testament, that literally is defined as uh, nations or other nations. Salvation was primarily unto the Jew in the Old Testament. And even now in the early days within the church, it was the Jews who made up the church. Matter of fact, the the church at Jerusalem, G. Campbell Morgan, uh, he, he, he uh, suggests that there were 60,000 plus members of the church at Jerusalem before and after their scattering. All of them were Jews, okay? But it was the Jew who made up the church, but I want you to notice first this morning as God began to move and take his gospel in preparatory manners to move it to the regions beyond through the mighty apostle Paul, the first thing that we notice is a change of direction. A change of direction. All the Jews at this time were the ones who got saved. Turn to Acts chapter 8 and verse 27. Acts chapter 8 and verse 27. One of the, I believe one of the greatest events to ever occur in the word of God. Acts chapter 8 and verse 37. The Bible says here, it says, And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Kandisi, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem, watch these next few words, for to worship. He came to Jerusalem to worship. Now here is an Ethiopian eunuch, an African, a re- representative of the descendants of Ham in the world. Much of Ethiopian's history, guys, is interwoven in the history of Egypt. Ethiopia of the Bible is also known as ancient Nubia. And this Ethiopian eunuch may have, may have been from the area that we now call modern-day Sudan. I don't know, but they could be from that area. But in these days, guys, the nation was ruled, Ethiopia that is, by a queen by the name of Kendisi. The Ethiopian king was known as the, the child of the sun, and, and it was not, not to be bothered by the duties of running the affairs of the kingdom. Therefore, it fell upon the queen. This man in the chariot was not a mere servant. A eunuch oftentimes were awarded with great authority, with great power, great trust, if you will. And the Bible declares that he was of great authority. The Bible tells us even that he he looked over all of her treasure. He was in charge of all of her treasure. And that word, uh, uh, (coughs) great authority, uh, comes from the same word in our English that we get potentate, Okay. The eunuch held a high office in the land, positioned essentially as the secretary of the treasury. So want you to notice, here's a man of Ethiopia, a pagan nation who worshiped the sun, the moon, and the stars, a land in which was later divided by Islam, given birth to now neighboring countries that, that do hate God and slaughter their residents in the name of their false god. However, here is a man who was in Jerusalem for one purpose. It was a financial gain. It wasn't prestige or power. It wasn't position. He came there to worship. He was somehow convinced that if God was to be found, he would have been found in Jerusalem. He would be found amongst the Hebrew people in the capital of their land. He would be restricted by the Mosaic law to become a full proselyte, by the way, because he was a eunuch. You see, the Jewish religion uh, would not allow a unit to, pro- to proselyte. That's Deuteronomy 23, verse 1. Which gives, I believe in my heart today, that which the law restricted, it gives more precedence to grace covered a multitude of sins and social statuses. Amen. That which was lost in the Old Testament is gained in the New. But I want you to imagine with me this morning, if you will, imagine with me uh, what he may have experienced when he arrived at Jerusalem. I, I, this, my mind again, and you guys know this by now, my mind tends to wonder at times when I'm reading and I begin to think about what he looked like and his, what his chariot looked like and, and whom he may have spoken to and now what food he may have been eating, what drink he, these different things that you find as he arrived in Jerusalem, this busy, busy city. I wonder sometime if he comes there to worship, did he speak to Gamaliel, Israel's foremost teacher of Judaism? I mean did he did he run into Saul who was running around breathing out you know threatening his slaughter I don't who knows I mean I mean maybe he heard Stephen preach maybe that eunuch was riding by that council that day as a sanhedrin and maybe he heard Stephen preach maybe Stephen was over there tending to one of the widows and, and began to preach a sermon full of faith and power and maybe he heard that I mean did he see Peter healed as the shadow passed by someone on the street when Peter said Silver and gold have I none, but that which I have, I give unto thee. I mean, did he hear John, one of the sons of thunder, echo his words throughout the the area and enter into his heart and his mind? I mean, did he hear the opposition of the Pharisees as they disputed with the gospel of Christ? I have no idea. I I know this to be sure today. He came to Jerusalem for one purpose, and that was to worship. More than likely, as he arrived, what he saw, this holy city, if you will, to be a community of commerce, more than that of conviction. The hypocrisy of religiosity opened his eyes to what he had not expected this day. Well, one simple fact is true. I imagine that his heart was discouraged and gravely disappointed because he came to worship and he didn't find what he was looking for. But this is what we do know. This descendant of Ham, this Ethiopian eunuch, somewhere, somehow, obtained a a copy of Scripture. I mean, he was in charge of all the treasure of Candice the Queen in Ethiopia. He had charge of all, he he was a great man of authority. For all we know, he may have purchased this copy. And I can tell you this this morning, with, with all conviction in my heart and my mind, that would be the greatest investment that he ever made his entire life. Maybe it was given to him. If so, it's the greatest gift to date he would have received. But what he had was a copy of Isaiah 53. And as he departed the city, he's reading Isaiah 53. He's looking at it. He's reading it, and he's thinking about it, and it's going back and forth in his heart and in his mind. And he's like, who in the world is he talking about? In the meantime, God has spoken unto Philip. And he says, Philip just got back from preaching, big revival meeting. I'm sure Philip was tired and he laid down. But Philip, the evangelist, God spoke to him. He says, I got somebody, boy, I need you to witness to. Get on out here and make haste. And Philip took off running. And his words to that Ethiopian eunuch were simply this. Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, how can I? Lest some man show me. At that point, the Bible tells us that he commanded the chariot to halt. And Philip got up there with him. And he picked up the very scripture where... That eunuch was reading. And that eunuch says, tell me, of whom does this man speak of? Himself or someone else? And the Bible tells us that Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. My soul, what a blessing. You see, Philip watered the seed that was planted by the word of God. The Holy Spirit would bring the increase, saving this soul, this first descendant of Ham, First of a three-point pattern to reunite the world with his creator. Beloved, when this eunuch got saved, in one of the most important verses, in all the scriptures found in verse 36 and 37, he says, And and as they were, they went on their way. They came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hindereth me to be baptized? Verse 37, which is removed from the majority of modern modern, uh, versions, perversions. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And the answer said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Then the chariot was commanded to halt. Then they too went down in the water. Then Philip baptized them, amen, by full immersion. I'm saying all that to say this, guys. When that eunuch made his confession true of the Lord Jesus Christ, the world rotated 60 degrees, 60 degrees. So there was a change of direction for the descendants of Ham. A change of direction, if you will. And Secondly, we find the change of a disciple. Look there with me in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. The Bible says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they, be, uh, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell on the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord... What wilt thou have me to do? The Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. You see, beloved, the Ethiopian eunuch, to our knowledge, had been the very first Gentile saved and brought into the family of God. Now Saul was not the very first Jew to be saved, but now we find a descendant of Shem. One chapter later, after the first Gentile is born again, we have a descendant of Shem saved and born again. You see, Ham and then Shem. Saul was not the first Jew, but he is a descendant of Shem. And up until now, many of the Jews to be saved were ordinary citizens. They were fishermen, carpenters, tax collectors. But beloved, Saul was no ordinary Jew. He was no ordinary individual. Philippians in chapter 3, starting in verse 4, says, Though I might have also confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath, whereof he might trust in the flesh, he said, i more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. And Hebrew of Hebrews is touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But What things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ, yea, doubtless, and, all, and I count all things, but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ. So here now is another rotational shift in the world, beloved. The one who would be the minister unto the Gentiles, the one that we heard so many weeks would take the gospel to the regions beyond, the mighty apostle known as Paul who would take and spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the entire world. Romans 11, verse 13, For I speak to you Gentiles, and as much I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. It was Paul and his company who received the declaration, if you will, those who have turned the world upside down have come hither also. So what you find now in Acts chapter 9, when the apostle Paul was saved, the world has turned yet another 60 degrees, standing 120 degrees away from where it stood at Babel with the Babylonian or the Babel curse. So we find a change of direction with the descendants of Ham, the Ethiopian eunuch. We find a change of disciple just because of what fruit will be laid in the works and the ministry of the Apostle Paul in the years to come in Acts chapter 9. But Beloved, it all leads up to point number three this morning, and that's a change of destiny. A change of destiny. We've seen the descendants of Shem saved. We've seen the descendants of Ham saved and enter into the church of the living God. But look in Acts chapter 10 with me, just the first two verses. And the Bible says that there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Now, beloved, the Bible tells us here that the angel tells Cornelius in the fourth verse, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. The Lord sent a man named Peter. Now you know Peter was the minister or the apostle, if you will, unto the circumcision, to the Jews. Paul was the minister or the apostle unto the uncircumcision, which are the Gentiles. But God laid a foundation here. In this final adjustment for eventually to take the gospel to the regions beyond and for those faithful men of Paul and his company to be earmarked as those that turned the world upside down have come hither also. final son of Noah, his ancestor, the largest race in the world. We find the descendant of Japheth this morning. An Italian man by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius was of the Italian band, the Bible says, which is a Roman band of soldiers consisting of 600 men, the tenth part of the legion divided into companies of 100 men each. Cornelius, the centurion, was an iron discipline. He was the leader of the company stationed in Caesarea, which is on the coast of Israel, a large Gentile city and the seat of Roman power. Cornelius possessed a, a tough, heart and mind, well-trained in the ways of war and work. Yet he had a soft spirit toward God. And even though he was a Roman centurion, he was well respected of the Jews as a devout man. He feared God, beloved. He attended synagogue even though he would have to sit with the middle wall partition separating him from the, the, male, the male Jews. The women would have to sit in a balcony separated between Gentile and Jews as well. And the Gentiles, men would sit on one side. There was a middle wall partition that went down the synagogue. And the Jewish men would sit here because the Jews considered the Gentile dogs, considered them unclean, but they would welcome them into their synagogue but they had to be separate. He was well instructed of the the scriptures, Cornelius was. There There are three major characteristics mentioned here of Cornelius. Number one, his faith is mentioned. The Bible says that he is a devout man and he feared God. His family is mentioned that he feared God with all his house. His fervor was mentioned. The Bible says that he gave alms to the people and prayed to God always. Look down, if you will, in Acts 10. I want you to go down to verse 34 with me. Verse 34. You know, there's a a, a lot of things that happen between verse 2 and verse 34, but we're going to get down to where it belongs for the meaning of our message today. Verse 34 says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Beloved, here we find the gospel is to be preached unto those present at the house of Cornelius. The result is found in verse 44. Verse 44 says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. The final 60 degrees of the world turning itself upside down has now been made with all three races being represented in the world. They were all baptized as a public profession of their personal salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here in these three chapters this morning, guys, we find what was lost at Babel, what was restricted in the Old Testament, what was taken away in the work of man trying to work their way to, uh, to heaven was regained through the ministry of reconciliation unto God. The three representatives of mankind are now one body, the three representatives of mankind of all three races are now one people through one spirit according to one sacrifice and one savior the Lord Jesus Christ. 180 degree turn and about face if you will. And all of a sudden the world is turned upside down. A difference was made in the lives of all three races in the world today. Setting off a wildfire of Christian growth throughout the uttermost parts of the world. Beloved, what a reputation to have part in. I mean, what a joy. Can you imagine in Acts 17 that we opened up with this morning there in Thessalonica? The first two letters Paul writes is, unto the, is back his first and second Thessalonians. He's writing back into them. That, that church stayed under constant attack from the Judaizers, constant attack from the Bible haters, constant attacks from the Bible correctors, just like our world is today. Well, a better version would be this. Well, a better translation would be this. Guys, If I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, there is no better version. There is the Word of God, and that's it. And it it's found in this AV. And all the other stuff is just rubbish and should be thrown in a waste bin where it belongs. That's what they were attacking the church of Thessalonica with Fake letters written from Paul. Paul steps up into Thessalonica and he begins to preach the word of God. Three Sabbath days, three weeks, we know. He's in there preaching the word of God, preaching the word of God. Many Greek people got saved. Devout women, not a few. Chief members of the community. Jews got saved. But there was a sect of Jews who said, no, sir, we're going to hold on to the old ways in the old days. We're not going to have any part of that. And they went crying. (laughs) Oh, I've got images in my mind about that one. And they cried unto the leaders of the city, those that have turned the world upside down, have come hither also. What a reputation to have part in. What a glorious and marvelous example of the grace of God. What the world had destroyed, the Lord renewed. What the world had taken, the Lord reissued. What the world had stolen, the Lord repaid. And what the world had broken, the Lord repaired. What a wonderful Savior we have. What a wonderful Savior we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, as we begin to close this morning, He said, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And that final conversion. In Acts 10, the final, I'd say, final representation of the three races in the world, the descendants of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. That Japhethite, Cornelius, when God saw, when Peter saw what God was doing in that man's life, he said, I perceive, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. So I'm going to tell you this this morning, make it crystal clear, and you understand this as well, that Jesus Christ was an offering. He offered his body. To die on a cross and to shed his blood. He did it one time. He will not do it again. And he did it for everyone. Every soul on the face of this planet. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You find a group of people today who have a problem with the words, all and everyone and anyone and none should perish, you'll find a devilish root of Calvinism inside of their heart and their soul, a misinterpretation, a perversion, of predestination. You see, the Ethiopian eunuch, who was a pagan by heart, by birth, if you will, he served and, and worshiped God. He wanted to worship God. He figured that he wanted to know who God was, and if he was going to find that, he was going to find it in the holy city of, the Lord, of Jerusalem. He was going to find it where the Holy Scripture had, had, been, uh, had, had been speaking of so often, many a times. To anybody in the world today, to the Jews, to the law, the eunuch couldn't even proselyte, Deuteronomy 23. To the law, he didn't even deserve salvation, for he was a pagan, worshiping the birds and the bees and the sycamore trees. And yet he said, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And the answer wasn't, let's just jump in there and get wet. The answer wasn't, well, you had to do that when you was an infant. The answer wasn't, if your family will make provisions for you. The answer was not, hey, listen, uh, you know, uh, you got to go through this class for 12 weeks, and we'll confirm you, then we'll let it happen. No, sir, it wasn't. Philip says, if thou believeth. The Philippian jailers said, what must I do to be saved? You know what the answer was? Believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thine house. You see, beloved, it is up to every individual to believe, to receive, or to reject. But I will say this, no answer at all has always been the answer no. No. We have seen the world turned upside down throughout the Scripture. We have seen the world take its rightful place in the eyes of God within the ministry of reconciliation through the shed blood of the cross of Calvary. And because of that, my friend, God is no respect of our persons and has given us today the ministry of reconciliation that we may go forward, not only being saved and sealed under the day of redemption, but that we too may take this glorious, precious gospel and place it at the doorstep, place it in the head, place it in the, in, the, in, the, in the hands of those who need it the most, that the Holy Spirit of God may put it into their heart. What a blessed, blessed reputation to have. Those that have turned the world upside down, would to God, we too, would be known. Those that have turned Abraham upside down. And buddy, it needs to be turned upside down, shaken a little bit. And brought the light of the glorious gospel. Would, would to God today that it be known for us that those that have turned the Cunning Valley upside down have come hither also. Would to God that, that it be known that those that have, uh, those that turned the turned Cardiff upside down have come hither also. That will be the reputation I want. That's the reputation that Paul and his company got, and he got it because of the mighty movement of the Holy Spirit of God. Will you bow your heads this morning? Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for who and what you are, for all that you've done. And Lord, I want to thank you for this testimony, of the mighty workings of the Apostle Paul, the mighty workings of the Holy Scripture, how God is no respecter of persons. The dear Lord that you have given us this testimony today that we may stand sure and firmly upon, that we and here, God, would be a representative of the lost and dying in the world today, Lord, that we may bring the glorious gospel unto them, that they may come to know you. And Father, I pray for those that are here this morning. That you would impress upon their hearts and their minds, dear God, the necessity of the gospel going to the regions beyond, but starting right here across the street, across the village, across the province, Lord, across the country. Help us, dear God. Help us have that reputation, if you will, of those that have turned the world upside down have come hither also. We ask these things in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I do hope and pray the sermon you just heard was a tender blessing to your heart and to your soul. I hope that it gives you the encouragement and edification to face the challenges that we see each and every day and week throughout our life. I'd like to invite you out to one of our live services here at Saren Chapel in Abraham. We are located on Lewis Street as well as Davis Street. Davis Street is the entrance to our chapel and as well as Lewis Street is the entrance to our hall, and you can use either one of them. But secondly today, guys, I would like to share just a brief message to you now to ask you to where you are going in eternity. If today was the last day you were alive, if today, by some tragedy, this was the last moment you had on this earth, when you closed your eyes, would you wake up and see Jesus Christ? It is a simple question, guys, and it is even a more simple answer. The Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, paid the ultimate price for mankind. He gave us the free pass to eternal life by giving his life on the cross of Calvary, being buried into that grave, but rising again on the third day. It is simple as this. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You see, guys, while we were sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ loves us so much that he gave his life. As a matter of fact, Romans 5, 8 tells us, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sin is defined as the transgression of God's law. But what happened was the payment for mankind is death. Romans 6.23 clearly tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So I ask you today, what what would stop you right here, right now, from bowing your head and saying a prayer much like this, Lord Jesus Christ, I trust in you. Jesus Christ, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that you stepped up out of the grave to give us victory over sin and victory over death. I invite you into my heart and ask forgiveness of my sins and ask you to lead God and direct me throughout the rest of my life. Now, here's the thing. You say that prayer in your own words, but you have to say it and believe it. Remember, Romans ten nine says, And believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is a promise. From the Word of God. That is a promise from God Himself. That is the promise from the Creator of all things that if you'll believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, ask forgiveness of your sins, accept His free gift and pardon of sin into your heart today, that you will be born again, that you will have eternal life in heaven. Guys, I hope and pray this is a blessing to you today. I hope and pray that you'd make that decision. And if you have, if you've made that decision today, let us rejoice with you. Come by and see us here at the church or hit us up online at any of the social media outlets or through email or however you can. Just share with us the glorious transformation that you just received in your life. Guys, I hope to see you soon in the house of God. Hope to see you soon right here in Sharon Chapel. And may the Lord be with each and every one of you. God bless.